Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. I'm excited to be with you this morning. You don't know who I am, and that's okay. I'll slowly introduce myself excruciatingly over the next 30 minutes, and you'll have to put the clues together. Who is this man? You have no choice in the matter. Your life will change in the next few months, and over the course of the next few years, there's uh, no way in which you will stay the same. But you get to choose whether or not the next few months, the next season of your life, the next few years will move your life forward, or you will be building a life of some regret. But you don't have a choice in the matter. Your life will change. You will choose to move forward, or you will choose a life of regret. Uh, There's several apps that try to tell you what you might look like when you're older, or if you have different hair, or if you have hair. And there's this one app that I used a while ago to tell me what I will look like after I'm finished. My wife and I are finished raising two teenage girls. And this is what, I think it's going to be pretty accurate. They're incredible, but just the amount of like worry and anxiety, and oh my goodness, the world around them is horrible, even if they're these beautiful, precious things. This is what I could look like. Um, But... I also imagine that this is me in, who knows, 10 years, 20 years, depends on my skincare regimen, but I want this, my name's Joseph, and I want this Joseph, let's say it's 20 years from now, I want that Joseph to be really proud of what Joseph 2022 chooses, that Joseph 2022 will choose a life that moves forward in really beautiful, resourceful, creative stabilizing, generous ways rather than a life that builds regrets that this guy's going to have to deal with, okay? So I imagine that this guy in some ways is kind of my boss in a lot of ways. I want, I want this guy to be proud of what this guy is going to do, and I want to give you the same opportunity today. This series is called Moving Forward, and I'm really honored to be here for the second installment of this series. If you've not heard the first message, go back, do yourself an enormous favor, and go back to listen to Ben's message last week. It is powerful. It sets the scene for what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. Um, Also, as long as I've known Ben, it's one of the most on-fire 40 minutes I have ever heard him communicate. It might have helped that he announced that you guys are getting a building. That might have helped. Yeah, that's huge. (laughs) It also might have helped that he was going to be off for four weeks after that message. Um, And I know that feeling as somebody who has communicated a lot uh, as a a lot of what I do for a living, and I know what it's like to the pressure that you feel and the responsibility you feel, Um, but one of the things you need to know about, I think, really good leaders, and you have one of the best leaders in the world in Ben, is that all of that preparation and pressure that they feel before they get up on the stage is out of absolute love for you and a deep sense that what we get to share up here matters. It really matters. I also love that you are led by people, Ben included, and and Seth and Lindsay, whose life preaches even better than what you hear from the stage. You are led by people who are exceedingly generous and intelligent and innovative, which I think is important, um, and people who are faithful, people who are trustworthy and have incredible integrity. you, You don't know me, so you don't have to take my word for it, but I know that so many of you know that about them, and that's why you're here. 
Um, so you're in really good hands, and it's an honor to be on the stage. I've known Ben for years, and I'm somebody who started a couple churches down in Los Angeles, where my family and I are from, and I do some other stuff also with my work, but this is my second time here in this room, so some of you might remember me. I am the less good-looking, slightly shorter version of Ben, uh, so we'll get this over with as fast as possible. Hopefully you get something out of it. But a couple of things that Ben covered in the first week, last week, that I think are crucial for us moving forward is he made a few comparisons, one of which was transformation is greater than information. It's, it's not enough simply to take in a lot of data when what you really want is your life to change, your life to get stronger, or you to feel more free. Transformation is so much greater than just information. Another thing that uh, he, you say a lot here, but he, he really made a point of last week, was that the direction is greater than the destination. Where you are headed and the habits and routines, the execution of a life that's moving in a direction is more important, is greater than just landing in a destination, which is really good news um, if you're somebody who wants more in their life in the future. And of course you do. Who wants their life a year from now to be worse than their life now? Um, so your direction as you move towards that is so much more important than the destination. Uh, you are not stuck. You are not done. You are still breathing. So there's more to hope for today. Uh, another thing that he said that I, I think is so important for us is that progress, a definition, a working definition of progress, of moving forward, is to move forward, or, or forward movement rather, toward a goal. What's interesting about that with the conversation we're having in these few weeks is that goals and the spiritual life don't seem to fit together because the spiritual life feels kind of loose, nebulous, foggy, unclear, is it possible to set goals in the spiritual life? Because if so, man, that would be really clarifying. It would be so helpful if I just had some practical ways to achieve something that I want in my spiritual life. Now, I don't know what you mean when you say spiritual. Uh, I talk to a lot of people who say that they are spiritual. I would say that I'm spiritual. But I find that people mean different things when they say that word. In fact, this might be uh, what you mean when you say spiritual. I find that some people, when they say spiritual, they are, what they really mean is they are more concerned with thoughts and intuition than they are with traditions. So when someone says they're spiritual, some people mean they're just more concerned with thoughts and intuition, kind of their gut, than they are with like keeping a routine or practicing a religion. That might be what you mean. Some people, when they say they're spiritual, what they mean is that they leverage some practice that helps them through hard emotions. That's what some people mean when they say spiritual. I've got some practices. I meditate or I pray. I go on ayahuasca retreats. This helps me get through hard emotions. So I'm spiritual. Some people, when they say they're spiritual, what they mean is that they're open and curious about philosophical or even extraordinary concepts that they're, they're at least open to the idea that there's more going on than you can pick up with in your five senses, that might be what you mean when you say spiritual. I also find that some people, when they say spiritual, what they mean is that there's a reliance on the assumption that life is going to end up okay, no matter what. There's just a reliance on the assumption that it's going to be okay, no matter what. Uh, the universe wants something for me, or, you know, if you do enough good things, you get enough good things. That might be what you mean when you say spiritual. For his part, you don't have to agree with him. Jesus had something very specific in mind when he talked about the spiritual life. Jesus would teach us that if you are human, you are spiritual. Why? Because Jesus believed that there is an eternal quality to every human. 
You do not have a spirit. You are one. So to be human is spiritual. Now, there are people who are aware of that, people who nurture that, people who aren't, who don't believe that's a part of what it means to be a, a human. But for Jesus, he would say, if you are human, you are spiritual. And to that end, he would teach us that nurturing that part of who you are, the spiritual part of your life, actually has benefits to all aspects of your life. If you could set some goals, and if we could move forward in our spiritual lives, it would pay dividends in our romantic lives, in our financial lives. Yeah, even your emotional lives, your mental health life. It, would, it, ha- it could pay dividends in your, in your physical, your, all of the ways that you want to move forward. Investing in your spiritual life will be the biggest investment you make this year. I promise you. Now, how do you do it? Or rather, why would you do it? Jesus would say some of the benefits of investing in your spiritual life um, are pretty profound. He would say that you have all access to God forever. That's incredible if that's a thing that can happen. He would say if you invest in your spiritual life, you can have uninterrupted hope and resolve regardless of circumstances. That would be cool. He said if you invest in your spiritual life, you could actually have prayers that work the way prayer is supposed to work. That would be awesome. In fact, they would work so powerfully, Jesus promised in Matthew 17, 20, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, really tiny faith, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And then Jesus said something, and I think he was serious when he said this, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. And the original word in in Greek literally means (laughs) nothing. Nothing will be impossible for you. I'm going to be honest. I've been following Jesus for quite a while. I have never seen dirt move magically, let alone a mountain. So maybe my faith is even smaller than a mustard seed. Maybe that's it. Or maybe Jesus was inviting us to something else. I think God uses faith to do what would otherwise be impossible. And if we can broaden our understanding of what a miracle is, I have seen miracles come as a result of faith so many times in my life. I have seen the miracle of God changing somebody, transforming someone from one kind of a person to a completely different kind of person. I have seen the miracle of faith save people's marriages. I have seen it break addiction. I've seen, I know historically, it's changed the hands of government. It has killed diseases. It has brought down the bad guys. It has, it has transformed people's lives. I have seen miracles of the kind I really want. I mean, it would be awesome to see a miracle of like me levitating across the stage. That'd be super cool. And you'd all be talking about it. But I want a miracle I can use. And Jesus said that is accessible for everyone who wants to move forward in their spiritual lives. That kind of miracle is possible. So the question you have to ask yourself, and it's totally up to you, is do you want to move forward spiritually enough this year to witness miracles in your life? Do you want to move forward enough? And let me just say at the outset, if it's something you want to do, it is absolutely possible. It's something you are empowered to do. It might look a little different than you're used to. More specifically, if I, I don't know a better way to say this, Some of us have been told that growing spiritually is something that you feel your way through. Jesus would teach us that growing spiritually is something you choose your way through. Let me say that again because it's very important. 
Growing spiritually, moving forward, achieving goals, if we can call them that in our spiritual lives, is not something that you feel your way through. It will be something that you choose your way through, which is so helpful for me because my feelings shift all the time. And if I can make choices that, where I can still be making progress in the most important part of my life, regardless of how I feel, I want to know how to do it. Now, it boils down to choosing to have a life that will grow spiritually rather than just being one that wishes to grow spiritually. And just like Ben was saying that transformation is greater than information and direction is greater than destination, today I want to encourage us that will is greater than want. A life that will do something about what it wants is a life that is going to make much more progress and build less regret. Now, even if you don't believe that God exists or that there's God's spirit or that you are a spirit, even if you're not sure what you think about all of that, I promise you that you are going to want what people claim to experience as a result of the concept I'm going to share with you today. I hope it's helpful how clear Jesus gets on what the power of the spirit is and how you, how you access that in your life and build that in your life. Uh, I want to take us to the end of the most famous speech ever given. Historically, it's the most cited speech ever given on the planet, uh, not just in churches, but this is a speech that Nelson Mandela has cited and Gandhi and Martin Luther King. I mean, you, you can read up for, on that yourself. In the church world, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, which is not what it was called at the time. We call it that now because we're really creative. It was a sermon delivered on a mount. So that's why we call it that. I don't know if it was the only sermon ever delivered on that particular mount, but if you capitalize it, you know which one you're talking about. It's this one. And this is how Jesus ends the most famous speech ever given, Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who builds his or her house on the rock. What he's saying here is every person who hears like some of the lyrics that we just sang about and then actually acts as though those things are true is like somebody who builds their house on a rock, builds their life on a rock. And what happens when you build your house on something like a rock? It goes on the next sentence. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now, in contrast to that, in verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish person who builds his or her house on sand, which seems so dumb. What idiot would build their house on sand? But when Jesus said this, he was actually standing near a beach that is covered in alluvian sand. And just in case you're not super into geology, like I clearly am, <laughs> alluvian sand is sand that in the summer heat is as hard as a rock. So if you didn't know any better, you'd be like, that's a great spot, beachfront property, right there, I'm going to build my house. But any local would be like, you moron. Because as soon as it gets a little colder, moisture is in the air, it starts to sift like sand, and the house is gone. So what a powerful metaphor for people listening to him on this beachside mount that he was standing on. Every fool builds their house on what looks like a rock, but then when the seasons change, or the pressure rises, or the storm hits... That's when you realize, when it's too late, you realize that it was such a horrible place to build a life. You had nothing to stand on. And then this is how the most famous speech ever given 
ends. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and here it is, it fell with a great crash. I've been speaking for years, and any communicator will tell you you're supposed to end a speech with like a, yeah, we can do it. Go get them. Jesus is like, your life will fall apart, which seems like a horrible way to end a speech unless you see it as an invitation. It doesn't have to be that way. A life built on not just hearing powerful ideas, putting them into practice, making choices based on those ideas is like a house, a life built on solid rock. And so when the storms inevitably show up, your your life can remain standing. There will be plenty of people, and frankly, if you're honest with yourself, you might be this today, who present really strong and are so sure of themselves and have the zeros to prove it, the promotion to prove it, the relationship to prove it, whatever it is. And then the storms hit in your physical life, relational life, political life, I don't know, whatever a storm is in your life. And then, and we've seen it way too often, marriage, done, faith, over, happiness, shattered. The life falls with a great crash. And Jesus is giving us an invitation to not live in such a way now that sets us up to crash then. Nobody plans on the crash But the question that I think is so helpful to ask yourself, are you planning not to crash? Are you planning not to fall apart? When so many will and so many do, are you planning not to crash? Storms, guaranteed. Crashing doesn't have to be that way. Go back to verse 25. He said, there is a way to build a life to move forward in a way that will not fall. So listen, the difference between a life standing in the storm and a life that crashes isn't that one life felt more spiritual than the other. It's that one made faith choices that generated power long before they needed it. Let me say it again because I think it's really helpful. It seems like a simple idea, but it's it's so clear, so powerful, and often so missed. The difference between a life that is still standing in the storm and one that falls apart when the circumstances come in around it isn't that this life felt more spiritual. It's that this life made choices along the way that developed power that it needed when the storm hit. That's the only difference. This one put words into practice. This one didn't. And this life got to experience the most helpful miracles. Maybe the surprise of of sickness healed. Maybe the surprise of the dead being risen. Maybe the surprise of levitating across a stage. Those would be cool. But this life, I guarantee, is going to experience the miracle of perseverance when everybody else would give up. This life will experience the miracle of joy when everybody else feels devastated and alone. This is a life that experiences incredible love when everybody else would despise and hate and live in fear. This one, and this is so important, this one gets to experience the miracle of discernment when everybody else feels confused and chaos and scattered. And that's the miracle that God wants to give you if you move forward in your spiritual life. The power, the real miracle, the one that's most helpful, is a house still standing strong in the storm. So, if you are ready for the kind of miracle that God is guaranteeing to produce in your life, if you really want to test him and see if this is something he wants to deliver to you, 
then I want to level with you. Preparing your life for a storm is the same thing as preparing your life for a miracle. In other words, you cannot be more prepared for a miracle than you are for a storm. So how can you be prepared? How can you have that power ahead of time? The first thing, and it seems so obvious, but it's so crucial, is you have to choose your foundation wisely. You have to choose a strong foundation. Just a few years ago, uh, we moved into a, uh, the house we live in now. But before we bought it, we hired an uh, inspector to come and survey the thing and make sure it's structurally good and all that. And one of the things that he pointed out to us were these huge rocks that were in the landscaping all over the yard, particularly in the backyard. And he's like, this is really good news because those rocks were pulled out from under the foundation of the house when it was built. There's, there's more under the house, but to make room for the foundation, they excavated a little bit and pulled these rocks out and used them now as <laughs> landscaping features. And he said, you actually happen to be in an earthquake zone, which I know in San Francisco is, is San Francisco. It's also L.A., He's like, and you're in a, this is a danger zone, but this house among all the other structures in the neighborhood will likely still be standing even when all the other houses might experience damage because it's built on bedrock. There used to be a river that ran under where our house is now built. And I know it's really creative. <laughs> you're like, I wonder how he's going to tie this metaphor in. <laughs> I know it's crazy, right? It's, watch out. Here it goes. It's like a magic trick. A house, a life built on a strong foundation obviously stands a better chance of standing when the storms hit or the earthquakes hit, the mudslides, the fires, all the things that we San Francisco Angelinos get to experience. Here's what's crazy is Jesus said that the strongest foundation you could build your life on was himself. He said, these words of mine is the strongest thing you could build your life on. That's a huge claim. I know us as parents, we often tell our kids, like, just do what I say. That's the way to live life. But internally, we're like, I'm not so sure that's the way to live life. We're just doing our best. Jesus put it out there, and he's like, listen, if you base your life on me and what I say, you're going to have the strongest possible life there is, no matter what's happening in the world. This, these words of mine, this is the impenetrable bedrock of life that you could build your life on. Now, most people, even if you don't choose Jesus, you're not deliberately building your life on a weak foundation. No one sets out to do that. Uh, instead, we just grow up. You just go through college, and you kind of pull in some priorities and some ideas from people who sound impressive, and maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. Uh, you do what you want to do. I, I do. Everybody does. You, you sort of choose what makes sense at the time or makes sense with the pack you run with. And then you just start to get busy living. And a lot of people then don't slow down in the busyness of life to ask the foundational questions anymore. In fact, that's why, and, and I lived this way for a while, that's why agnosticism is kind, it's an easier way in many, in many respects to live life is to just assume that the most important questions cannot be answered. What if the opposite was true? What if the most important questions of life must be answered? Because if it was possible to get some clarity around that, when there's so much mystery in life and so much surprise, if you could answer the most important questions, that would become the strongest foundation. And Jesus has promised to deliver nothing less than the answer to life's biggest questions. 
And maybe today's just an invitation to find out for yourself. That's the cool thing about Jesus. He's like, test drive it. I dare you. (laughs) Give it a shot. And then test results. But people who build their lives on all sorts of other foundations are kind of like, we see these a lot in LA, the houses that are built on stilts. I don't think you have a whole lot of these out here, even with all the hills you have, because you're smarter than we are. (laughs) Uh, But there's a lot of these where we live. This is not our home. I would never live in this home. It scares me. Even lo- I can't even look at the picture behind me. <laughs> I'm sure it stood. I mean, it looks like it's mid-century something or other. So it's probably gone through a storm or two, maybe an earthquake or two. But I just assume there is a storm coming for this house. <laughs> and it will find out quickly that it was not built on a solid foundation. So what is it for you? What, what are the stilts that you've built your life on? Maybe they're strong. You're like, my foundation's my family. Awesome. My foundation is my intellect. Great. I'm sure you're really smart. My my foundation is my creativity. I can always, like, adapt. Awesome. I hope you can. My foundation is my physical life. You know, I'm healthy. I take care of myself. Great. I hope you do. That's really cool. So what happens when a storm hits that? What happens when a storm hits your family? Do you have anything stronger on which to stand? Because it's coming. And that's not... That's not necessarily a warning as much as an invitation. It does not have to be that way, that when the storm hits, your life crashes. Choose a great foundation, but that's not where it ends. And this is, this is what I think will be helpful for a lot of us who are trying to move forward in our spiritual lives, not just begin an exploration of our spiritual lives. After you've chosen that foundation, you have one choice that separates strong lives from really vulnerable ones. And really what it is is one choice that you make over and over again, one choice repeatedly. And the first quote that I gave of Jesus in Matthew 17, when Jesus said, your faith can move a mountain. I don't know if you know this, but he was pointing at a specific mountain, a a couple of them actually. There's one hill and then one that is essentially a mountain that used to be close to the same size. And then in around 37 BC, Herod, who was ruling in that region, was like, I want my fortress to be higher than the rest of the the land, which it wasn't just because he was arrogant. It's that makes it more defensible to be on higher ground. So he had slave labor, and he says, here's an edict. I declare I want my fortress to be on a mountain higher. And then everybody went to work. Now, to Herod, it was just a command. I want you to move a mountain. And to the people who did it, it was bucket by bucket, choice by choice, step by step, day by day. How powerful was it when Jesus said, hey, if you have faith, as small as just a bucket, as small as just a step, as small as just a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Sunday and a Sunday and a Sunday and a Sunday, it's not going to happen overnight. But don't be surprised if you move a mountain over time. Transformation is a process that's not an overnight success, but it is an over-life success. And if you have faith, again, acting as though it's true, faith, putting into practice, putting into practice, putting into practice, bucket by bucket, brick by brick, you're going to find inevitably, in ways that will even surprise you, that when the storm hits, you are still standing. So after you've chosen the right foundation, a powerful foundation. This is what, this is how to have what you want spiritually. I will choose a practice 
before I need its power. I will choose a practice before I need its power. The sneaky little thing about powerful practices in our lives, and you understand this intuitively from other things in your life, is that the practice itself doesn't feel powerful. It barely feels fun ever, right? The most powerful practices seem so pedestrian, normal, routine, and maybe you enjoy them, maybe you look forward to them, but have you noticed that the most powerful practices, even in your physical life, the most powerful practices in your educational life, uh, over time they build up to something that you're really proud of and you're excited about, but the practice itself doesn't feel all that miraculous. It's still crucial for you to choose a practice before you need its power. Choose spiritual habits in comfort that are really going to serve you in crisis. Uh, I, well, until recently, I was usually the first one up in our family. Our 16-year-old, for some crazy reason, now gets up earlier than farmers. I don't know what her deal is. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It takes her, that's, oh, okay, cool, whatever. Um, before this house, we lived in a, another place in Pasadena, where we're from, and uh, you might not remember, my wife's here, my wife Katie, she probably won't remember this, but uh, the week after we moved in, so we were super exhausted because moving is the worst. Can I get a hallelujah? Moving is the worst. <laughs> so we had just moved, and I had to get up really, really early uh, to go get ready for church. I was preaching at our church, and uh, I got up at 4.30 this one particular morning. That's like real early, and it's still dark outside. And I wanted to get ready in the bathroom that was like in the epicenter of the house architecturally. And I'm pretty sure that the vision the architect had when he built the home we rented was the smallest house possible with the loudest bathroom fan. And he accomplished his vision. It was like a jet engine when you turned on this bathroom fan. And we didn't have a master bedroom, so we had a bedroom, and then I had to walk like through this little living room thing into this tiny little bathroom with a super loud fan. And... I was trying to get up all ninja style. My family's exhausted. It's 4.30, it's dark. And I go in there, and like most bathrooms, there's two switches. One is the light, which would have been really helpful for me. The other one's the fan, which I didn't need. And this morning, I, again, everybody's so tired. I hit the wrong switch, and the fan turns on. I wake up the whole neighborhood. Like, it was so loud. And I did wake up Katie. I woke up my daughters, our two daughters, and I felt horrible. Um, which is not much of a story other than it's a metaphor I think about a lot because I never again hit the wrong switch. Uh, I figured out where the switch was now that I, I turned on the light and I saw it. And what I, I use that whole silly little illustration to remind us, encourage us, that if you cannot find the light when it is light outside, it's going to be really hard to find it in the dark. And it's not that it's not there. That's the good news. Even if right now you are in the dark of life and you're like, I don't know where to find the light, the good news is there is light available for you. There's a God who's coming for you. There's a God who wants to heal and he wants to restore you. So right, I just, I don't know. There might be somebody, I just, in this moment, I felt really moved that there might be somebody right now who's like, I don't know where to find light. I don't know that I've ever had light and my life feels so dark. I feel so blind right now. Don't stop. God is in pursuit of you, and God wants to turn on the light for you, the light of his love, the light of his perspective, and the light of his joy. He sees you even if you can't see him. 
But I'm telling you, if right now your life is in the light, this is the time to be trusting that there's more than your circumstances. Even if your circumstances are awesome, there's more and better. Because then when your circumstances are not great, it's going to be so much easier to remember that there's more than your circumstances. Right now, if you feel loved and connected and you feel like you belong in in the circle, remember that you always belong to the God who loves you to death. And that way, when you do feel rejected and despised and hated and left out, it's going to be a lot easier to remember that you are worth loving to death. So that's why I encourage you to choose a practice now before you need its power. I I will tell you, and I I said this in the last hour too, that I I do have a bit of concern for those of us who are Jesus followers who have not practiced a life with Jesus. Uh, You're on a strong foundation. I believe for my part, I think it's the strongest foundation you could live on for sure. But so far in your life, it's God has... You've chosen God when it's felt okay, it's felt convenient, it's felt uh, easy, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. God is here for you in the good times and the absolutely. But you, if you're honest, you have not built anything with God. Uh, you have not built a life with Jesus. You've just experienced feelings with Jesus. Great place to start. I started following Jesus because it felt like a good idea. That's okay. But if you've not... Put the practice in now before you need its power. The storm is coming, and you'll still be standing on a rock. That's the good news. But you'll be carrying a little more than an umbrella. And it's going to hit your life harder than it may hit if you start the practice now before you need its power. And I'll tell you what those practices are. I'll give you a couple suggestions here as as I begin to close. But the concept is so important. Choose a strong foundation, and then choose a practice before you need its power. So be honest with yourself. When it comes to your spiritual life and moving forward, the most, what I think is the most important part of your life, I know what you want this year. You want the perseverance when everybody else would bug out. You want uh, to have joy when everybody feel devastated. You want it. But the question I want to, you to ask yourself is, what are you willing to be building this year? What are you willing to be building? And it's not going to feel fun at first. It won't feel exciting Um, Because the power is, usually the power is most experienced in the crisis or in the storm, not necessarily in the routine. But don't put it off. The most powerful habits need to come first. Um, I get to be an executive coach now. I love my work. And I work with leaders and executives and some creative professionals. And uh, the, the work is primarily focused on, yeah, let's have these expansive visions and increase revenue and all that kind of stuff. But I don't want it to be at the expense of your life. Uh, I want you to have a big, beautiful life, too. And I'll show up to a session sometimes with a client, and they'll feel really depressed. You can just tell uh, they feel maybe even embarrassed or ashamed of themselves. And sometimes it's because they had made a commitment to their future that really mattered, some habit or some choice that they wanted to make that would have given them some progress, that would have moved them forward. And they just didn't do it this last week. And they feel extra down when what they chose to do instead is binge Netflix or sleep in every day of the week. And I'm going to be honest with you, I love those things. I love Netflix and I love sleeping, so no shame there at all. But they didn't choose what mattered to, for them at least, what mattered most in their lives, and it gave them this experience. And so I'll sometimes ask a question. I'll say, are you aware of how your commitment to comfort has created discomfort in your life? Are you aware how in some areas your commitment to comfort 
is or will create discomfort in your life. Comfort in my physical life might create some discomfort down the line. Comfort in my relational life, because this is easy, might create some challenges down the line. Comfort in your career life or your educational life. It's fine to deliver mediocrity. It's fine to just clock in and clock out, phone it in, how that could potentially create some discomfort down the line. And I'll give them space to open up, get creative, and be aware of that. It's really helpful, I find. But then I also want to illustrate how these practices that give you so much power and so much resource for your future, I think also make the good stuff better. So I'll come back because I love Netflix and sleeping, and I'll say, hey, how much better would it have been to stream season four of Stranger Things, which you should totally do, how much better would it have been to binge that after you sent that proposal or after you confronted that conflict that was in your life or you name it? Oh, man, it would have been so much more fun. Yeah. How much deeper would the sleep have been had you chosen the powerful habit or choice ahead of time? Oh, man, I would have slept like a baby. It's a horrible metaphor because babies sleep like garbage. But <laughs> Oh, man. Isn't that cool, though, that choosing practices before you need their power don't just give you strength when stuff falls apart, but I believe actually enhances the beautiful part of life? So that's the invitation today, is to choose a practice before you need its power. And I know that for some of us, this might not feel urgent today to choose these practices uh, because you're not in a storm. Some of you, the storm is blowing through your life right now, and you wish you would have done this a year ago. You could preach this message for me. Like, y'all do it. Trust me. Wherever you're at, the most important question is, what foundation are you building on? And you get to choose. What's the foundation? Is it your own intellect, your own strength? Okay. Is it something that might be stronger than that? Um, and if you want to explore that, by the way, one of the beautiful offerings, powerful environments that's created in Epic Church is Alpha. Um, that's a great place to start. If you're interested in finding out more about the foundation that can be built on Jesus, you can indicate that on a Connect card. Ben will talk about that in just a minute. Or right after this service is a Next Step lunch, which might be a good place to start that curiosity. Ben will talk about that more also in just a second. But after you've chosen that foundation, then... I want, I want to invite you that the relationship you will have with Jesus to get a little bit religious. I know we're not supposed to say that. It's just a relationship. But have you noticed the best relationships are a little bit religious? Like we have date night on Thursdays. You know, this is how we do conflict. Whatever that is, the best relationships have a little religion. And I think that the same is true for God's relationship with us. A little bit of routine. Uh, if you don't know much about what habits might be helpful, there's a few books that I would recommend uh, one of them is The Life You've Always Wanted. A really great, quick read, great like primer course on some of these spiritual habits. If you're like, I know it, I've got it, I want more, I want to go deeper, Adele Calhoun has written The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. That's excellent. I would highly recommend that. Um, but I don't want to leave you today with a book assignment. <laughs> That'd be a jerk move. So if you don't even know where to start, I'll give you a few simple places to start, and then I'm done. Jesus modeled a lot of these things. He fasted. His disciples would get together and have something like this. They would get together and sing. I don't know if you knew that. But they would have these routines. It was so powerful. Jesus showed us the way to do that. Um, but here's two things that this is a good test drive if you've never tried it before. Read the Bible. 
You might not believe that there's anything behind it. You might believe God speaks through it. But read the Bible. I read one chapter every day. And then just don't stop. Read the Bible every day. And then have a conversation with God. Call it prayer. Be as honest as you know how to be, as real as you know how to be, every single day for a few minutes. I encourage you to set up a routine. Like, it happens in the mornings. It happens right before I go to bed. It happens in my lunch break. It happens when I normally want to you know, look at TikTok for three and a half hours. Where did the time go? Some of you, your screen is getting attention that your soul needs. So reallocate some attention to that. Um, and let me just say this as I close. The bricks of spiritual habits feel really, really small and insignificant. You're not going to f- probably feel anything for a long time. Keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, bucket by bucket, day by day, because one day the storm is going to hit. It's coming. One day, the Spirit's power is going to be so strong in you that you will not be broken. That's the invitation today. Let me pray for you. God, thank you that you, in all the mysteries of life, you've made a few things very, very clear. How to have a relationship with you and how to build a relationship with you. And that's what we need. I want to see miracles. I want to see resurrection. I want to see healing. I, 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 want to see, I want to see abundance. God, I want to see those things. But even as I see those things, God, I want the miracle of knowing that I'm yours even when everybody else wants to leave me out. I want the miracle of grit and hope when everybody else would run away and panic. I want the miracle of joy when I'm so unhappy and uncomfortable. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you that you've made that available to every single one of us if we would choose to trust you over and over again day by day. Jesus, thank you for loving us first and loving us best. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.